I don't know about you, but I have personally felt so much growth in this series. Um, words matter. Words matter. You know, it's been, been a minute or two since the Bible was originally written, since God gave us his word. And who knows, sometimes over time, have you ever played the telephone game? What this series is, is trying to make sure we're not playing the telephone game, right? Right. So uh, we're going to just start in with this word of the week. Who's ready? Okay, now I got a little participation. All right. Okay, well, um, let's pray quickly. I want God to speak through me, um, and I think he wants to too. So let's prepare our hearts, let's prepare our ears as I prepare to listen to the Holy Spirit and to speak what I believe he's wanting us to hear today. So Holy Spirit of God, here we are. Open up these ears of ours and put all of the stuff that we've been going through out of our minds so we have a fresh fresh way of thinking today. Now we're ready, Lord. In Jesus' name, we're going to trust you to tell us what you want us to hear. Okay. So this word for this week um, is one that can be a little heavy, and at times it can be uncomfortable. Um, We Christians that have already turned our life over to the Lord and started heading in this relationship with the Lord, we use it from time to time. Not a whole lot, but we do use it from time to time. Normally in a conversation, it's if we're talking about um, the state our world is in, out of concern, out of, hmm, we need to do something. Um, We use it in our prayers. I just heard one of my sisters the other night while she's praying, she used this word. And then when we read the scripture or quote the scripture, sometimes we use this word because the Bible has this word or some form of this word in the Bible over 70 times. 70 times, that's pretty many, right? And so really, what we're doing here today is we're trying to make sure we're understanding the original use of this word. Um, Make sure time hasn't messed it up. Make sure our Western culture hasn't just completely got us messed up, okay? Okay, you want to know the word? (laughs) The word is repent. Now, honestly, before I really started digging in deep to figure out what scripture really means, I'm going to be really honest. I thought of two little stories that I want to share with you. Okay. I thought of two siblings. So anybody that's got multiple kids, or if you were a multiple, you'll know what I mean. Okay, so these two brothers, they're playing, having fun, and all of a sudden, one gets mad at the other and kicks him. But you know what? Daddy saw him. And you know what daddy does? Just like about all you daddies. Get over there. Tell your brother you're sorry. But what does he do? Because he ain't sorry. 
he ignores daddy. Daddy's like, get off there. So he's really not sorry, but he know he better say he's sorry or he's going to be sorry. You know what I mean? Okay, the other story. I could preach on all things for a little while, but we have a time limit here. <laughs> the second story I really thought of was years ago, churches had pews. People remember pews? We didn't have these nice little cushiony chairs. We had pews, hard pews. Well, the story goes, during a church service, there's a little boy next to mama, and he's standing up in the pew. And mama says, sit down. He acts like he didn't hear her. And mama said, sit down. Nope. So a third time. Now, if you were me with my mom, there was no third time. But this little boy, his mama had a lot of grace. Third time, she's like, sit down or we're going to the bathroom. <laughs> now, he didn't want to go to the bathroom because he knew mama had a wooden spoon in her purse. So he slid down the back of the bench. Oh, sit down. But in a couple of minutes, he said, Mama, Mama, I'm sitting down on the outside. But on the inside, I'm still standing. <laughs> now, you might think, why did you think of those stories when you first thought of the word repent? Because I think sometimes maybe we have used the word repent in these two ways. So, we do something, and right away, we know it's wrong. We feel the Holy Spirit saying, huh. And so, we say, oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But five minutes later, like the little boy, our actions prove otherwise. Or, maybe we know there's something in our life that we need to stop doing because it's not pleasing to God. So, we stop but on the inside, we're still standing up because it hasn't been a heart change. Okay, So let me ask you, how do you feel when I say the word repent? I'm going to guess for you that have already given your life to the Lord and you've already developed some, some pretty good habits of seeking after the Lord. I think you probably feel it means to say, I'm sorry to be regretful of your past and to turn away from what you've been doing and start heading to God, right? And I'm going to say, good for you. That is the beginning of repentance. For some of us, though, that maybe haven't totally given our life over to God, the reason is because when we hear the word repent, we hear it to say, you dirty, lousy sinner. Clean up your act. Then you can come to Jesus. Not, not right. It's not right. Okay, so in the Old Testament, we see this word repent. God sent preachers or prophets in the Old Testament, and they would try to get the people turned back around, head in the right direction. But they also prophesied. They told the future, and they told of the promise of the Messiah. There was going to be somebody God was going to send and rescue us out of this mess we've gotten ourselves in. But they also prophesied about somebody else. Before the Messiah could come, somebody else had to come. 
His job was to prepare the way of the Lord, to get people ready for the Messiah. And so we meet him right at the beginning of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. And in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days, John the Baptist, he's the one, he was a cousin of Jesus. He came to the Judean wilderness, and he began preaching. And his message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven, your Messiah, is coming. And so people did. They started, they started repenting of their sins. They started the process of, of confessing their sins and getting baptized. And then... We find out in chapter 4, the very next chapter, John gets arrested and thrown into prison. His job of preparing the way was finished. And now we see in chapter 4, verse 17, he's handing the baton to Jesus. Okay, it's all you. You're up. And this is what we read. From then on, referring to John's imprisonment, Jesus began to preach. Repent. (laughs) Turn from your sins and turn to God. So he continued the message. And I started thinking, if John was preparing the way of the Lord, and now Jesus is saying the same thing, yeah, it could be that some of the people hadn't got the message the first time, but maybe repentance is more of a process instead of a one-time thing. So I started really digging in. And studying, what does the word repent or repentance really mean? It's a Hebrew word. Um, And if you take the word apart, it means one thing, but the word together means another, kind of, sort of. But the word is teshuva. It's pronounced other ways too, but that was the easiest one for me. (laughs) Teshuva means Repentance. So you take the word apart and you get the word shuv in the middle. And guess what that means? It means to turn. Yeah, I think we got that, right? But what does the word together, teshuva, mean? It's fun to say too. It means to return. It means that you've gotten away from your original starting point, and now it's time to return. So where is our starting point? We, as human beings, where is our starting point? At the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, I feel like all of my messages lately put us right back there, but Genesis chapter 1, God made creation. We read about it. Moon, the stars, the animals, then us, humankind. And it was all good. Remember that? Our starting point was all good. It wasn't a starting point of depravity, not a starting point of brokenness. Mm -mm. It was good. And that is what true repentance is, getting back to our starting point. And boy, have we gotten away from that, right? In the beginning, God created us in his image. What is God's image? 
mercy, love, compassion. We've really strayed from that. And repentance is God's call to say, come on back, come on back. Okay, so, so who is the true us? When you think of who you are, who do you think of yourself as? Like, who are you displaying to people around you that you are who you are? Are you showing them the image of God? Is that the true you? Or is the true you the one that's got things kind of messed up? I'm going to tell you the true you is the one who operates according to the way God originally designed you. Let's, let's just look real quick. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his likeness. In the image of God, he created them, us. Male and female, he created them. Verse 31, then God looked over all he had made. And he saw that it was very good. It was very good. I love how God repeats himself sometimes, and it's not by error. So God created human beings in his own image. And oh yeah, if you didn't catch that, in the image of God, he created them. Just to make sure you're understanding how we were originally created. Now, to really understand repentance, it's kind of two-part. And we've talked about the one earlier. First part is we have to realize and regret what sin has done in our life. And we have to change our mind and our direction of where we're going. The second part is a beautiful part. It's God, God forgives us. He says, like, okay, links arms with us. Okay, let's get back. Well, it made me once again think of the story of the prodigal son. And I know we just talked about it a week or so ago. Devin had brought it up. But again, to refresh our memories, or maybe if you weren't here, In the New Testament, Jesus is teaching to a group of Jewish people. And he tells this story. So we assume this story was about a Jewish family, right? And so this father had two sons, and I'll try to abbreviate it, but he had two sons. The younger one decided he wanted his inheritance now. So he goes to the father and says, Dad, Whatever I was going to get when you die, I want it now. And the father, who represents God, did what God does. He lets him make his choice. He gives him the money. But then the boy, as we read through scripture, we see he goes off. He goes off into a foreign land. And we know, Devin said it so beautifully, he just blows his money on horrible, sinful things. But I'm going to stop and explain. A foreign land means this was where he started at home. This was where he was raised. This was the culture he was born into. And he goes into a foreign land and finds himself feeding pigs. Now, to you and I, we know all about pigs, right? But to a Jewish family, pigs were detestable. They were disgusting. 
there was no Jew that had a pig pen in his backyard. The boy had really gotten off course. He got himself into some disgusting, detestable things, but then he came to his senses and he realized, mm, I messed up. So he humbled himself, beginning of repentance, and he comes back to the father. And the father, he was ready. He saw his kid coming from way off. He didn't care that he smelled like this disgusting pig, but he grabbed him and he hugged him and he got him cleaned up and they had a party. So I love that the son came to his senses and returned, but I want us to understand the father was always ready. I mean, from the second the boy walked away, dad was ready. Come on back. Come on back to your start. But the son had to be ready. The crazy thing is that we, in our own flesh, are unable to get back to the original plan. We're just unable. We can't fix it all, right? So enters Jesus. And through the work he did while he walked on this planet, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, God has made a way for us to get back home to our start. Um, it made me think as I was studying of two examples that the Bible gives us of people that I feel like started, had a good start of repentance. And these two guys were both disciples of Jesus. Uh, as we study Jesus' life, we see that he had hand-selected 12 guys to be the closest people to him, to be his closest disciples. And one of them that we're going to talk about first, his name was Judas. Now, Judas did something horrible. He literally sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. In Matthew 27, 3, we see when Judas, when he had betrayed him, and he realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. Man, was he sorry. So he took the 30 pieces of silver. He was going to try to fix this. He went back to the leading priest and the elders, and he said, I have sinned. I have betrayed an innocent man. But you know what they did? They just laughed at him. So doing all he needed to do, he, he picked up the money and he threw a pack at him. But it didn't fix anything. So in his shame and in his inability to fix it, he runs off. But Peter, the second of the two guys, even though he did something pretty disgusting and pretty bad, within a few hours of Judas doing this, he too finds himself making some really bad decisions. He is watching Jesus, who has now been arrested, standing in front of the priest where they are smacking him. They are telling lies about him. They are treating him horribly. And Peter's just watching Boy, does Jesus need him about now, right? But instead, 
Three times he denies that he even knows Jesus. And then it hits him. He hears the rooster crow, just like Jesus had warned him. And he realized, what a mess I've made. I've turned my back on Jesus. I've made a mess. But there was a difference between his running away and Judas's. Because just a few days later, Jesus had died on the cross, had been buried, and he rose again. Now we see Jesus standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he sees his disciples out in the boat fishing. Now when Peter sees Jesus and realizes, whew, that's Jesus, he jumps in the water and he swims for all he's worth to get back to the start to get back to the one who knew him in his mother's womb and had created him in his image. But there's a little bit more to the story, a lot more to the story. In the book of Acts, one of my favorite books, the beginning of the book, chapter one, again, brings us to what Jesus is doing right before he leaves this earth. And he's got his disciples together, and he's given last instructions. Okay, so we know John the Baptist did his ministry. We see Jesus now had accomplished the ministry that God had sent him to earth to do. But he was getting ready to leave, and he wanted to make sure the mission continued because he knew there was going to be a whole lot more of us that needed to hear the message, right? And so, sad to say... There's a little comment in parentheses in chapter 1 that gives us the clue to what happened to Judas, the one that had run away after he couldn't fix it on his own. Scripture tells us he had taken his own life. Like so many people we know that try to fix it on their own and they can't. And I hate that. It makes me sick to my stomach. But Peter... Peter had a different outcome. Remember, uh, John the Baptist was, was preaching, repent. Jesus was preaching, repent. Now we find Peter. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, after he had been explaining to people around him what was going on when the Holy Spirit fell, for the first time, if you don't know the story, I urge you to read chapter 2 of the book of Acts. But now Peter, who is now starting his ministry, stands up and he says, repent. And he takes it a little bit further because repentance is a process. After that, then be baptized in Jesus' name. For the remission, the wiping away of your sins, and ye shall, you will, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome news? So, repent. Well, I started by saying it can be heavy, it can be, hmm, 
but it's a callback, not because God's mad at us or he's mean or he wants to punish us. No, it's a beautiful thing. He's calling us back and he's made a way for us to come back because he so stinking loves you. He adores us so much and he's made a way for us to teshuva, to repent. Now, in the beginning of the book, the whole Bible, first book, Genesis, things kind of got mass- messed up in chapter three when humans decided to try things on their own and they disobeyed God. Now, something stuck out to me that I had never really noticed before. I knew that God had banished them from the garden. And I knew that God had put an angel at the gate of the garden with a flaming sword. But it never hit me really why until I was studying this week. And I read in the garden was a tree called the tree of life. And the Bible told us that if you eat of that tree, you live forever. There was no way he was going to let his kids, who messed up so bad, live forever in this state of depravity, in this state of pain and sorrow. Can you imagine the tears that Adam and Eve cried and the tears since that time that we all have cried? But then God sent Jesus, and he made a way now. And we will eat from the tree of life. When we finish this repentance process, this is what the Bible tells us. In the last book of the Bible, the last chapter, Revelation 22, 14. It starts with a phrase I want to explain real quick. In the New Testament, an analogy is used for when we turn to Jesus and give Jesus our life. It talks about like a dirty robe. All this stuff, sin, sorrow that we've got carrying on us. When we come to Jesus, we take off that robe and we wash it. In fact, baptism represents that. And then we have a spotless, a clean robe. So this verse begins, blessed are those who wash their robes. Who's washed their robe? They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. So yeah, when left on our own, we've really messed things up. God had to kick us out of the garden and ban us from eating the tree. But am I happy to tell you the end of the book tells us a completely different story. Yes. Complete. Our pro- we are in the process of repentance right now. Yes, a lot of us have started that process by feeling remorse for the things that we have allowed in our life. We've turned our back. We're linking arms now. And through Jesus, we're marching back to our start. That's right. We're headed back. But someday... Someday we won't have this old flesh that we're living in that is going to die, but we are going to live forever with the Lord. 
See, when I think back to the beginning, Genesis, I don't think it was so much about the garden. I don't think it was so much about all of the things they imagined. But do you understand? They were with God. They were with God. That's our final destination. We're going to eat from the tree of life and forever be with the one who created us in his image. That, my friend, is true repentance. So, my job today as the musicians and singers come on up is going to carry on the message that John the Baptist started as he was preparing the way for the Lord to come when he said, repent, turn from your sin. Turn to God. And then Jesus, he started his ministry. Repent. Turn to God. And we're going on. Chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls after Jesus has completed his work. And then Peter says, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. My job today is to tell you, repent. If you haven't started the journey today, it's just realizing what a mess you're in. Regretting it, turning from it, and then realizing you're never going to figure this out on your own. You can't fix it. The harder you try, the more frustrated you're going to get. So just believe the work that Jesus did for you. He made a way for us to complete this, this repentance process, this teshuvah, 